You're listening to DraftKings Network. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Do we want to kind of tell the audience about the immense amount of work that you've been doing? Me uh, personally? To, yes. Oh my God. To help our television product. Yeah. Thank I, we, you, we've, Tony. Yeah. No, thank you, please. No, Tony. no, no, stop. Thank no, you, please Tony. keep going. The little guys with the big hearts. Have <laughs> ever seen the breakup? I don't know why I went there with that. <laughs> Hold on. Go down that, down that thread. Like, like uh, Vince Vaughn, in, I don't know what made me think of it right there in that moment because it really has no correlation to what we were just talking about. But Vince Vaughn, for some reason, he wins like a video game during the breakup and he's rubbing it into the guy he's playing with and he's like yeah it's not me i gotta think those little guys with the big hearts <laughs> in the tv <laughs> you have very obscure movie references yes. i just have things that like trigger it i was yeah. like that's what i'm thinking of so i'm just gonna say it like <laughs> have, let's have go we, to bob bob yeah, have, yeah. We, well, we've done let's go to bob bob before right like yeah. we, we know we? we know what the audience i think so well bob yeah. is our engineer and uh, with the minor helmet. what's the movie that i it's bedazzled bedazzled which is like a mid early 2000s movie and with there's brendan fraser and elizabeth hurley yes. very obscure brendan, Although, it was on cable a fair bit when i was a kid like i watched the movie bedazzled multiple times yeah, yeah. i remember yeah. seeing it in blockbuster yeah and i also he, remember elizabeth hurley oh was like, wow, that was the, that's the takeaway yeah. from the movie well sure. it was, it was like it, yeah it was it was around the time that i was discovering what was happening <laughs> And you're like, huh? Was, wow. Hello. Yeah. Okay. What's this feeling? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, but in yes. that, but in that movie, he's so, in, he's inexplicably turns into a bass. He he's trying to find his best life, right? He gets wishes. So yeah. No. Can, so I believe Elizabeth Hurley is the devil. Yes. And Brendan Fraser gets wishes. Yeah. And so he plays various characters within this universe in which yeah. he is fulfilling his wishes. Yeah. And so he is a star basketball player. <laughs> And he is also the—is he also the host of like the play-by-play guys no, or a different play-by-play no, no, guy? I think he's just the like he's insanely tall basketball yeah, yeah, yeah. player and he's who being, speaks in cliches. And he's being interviewed on the court after the game, yeah. and the broadcaster throws it to the interview by saying, "All right, let's go to Bob Bob." Yeah, and, like, and then it, and then it's a joke on the throwing to reporters that like are putting their fingers to their ears. You go, let's go to Bob Bob. And like it's like the leaning into it, and then uh, there's a Chiron yeah. underneath the sideline reporter that says Bob Bob. Like his, his name, name, his full Bob, name Bob. is Bob. Bob. Uh, Have we done so, this before? And yeah. so like how like I know we just explained that, and everyone's thinking what a random reference. And so our engineer Bob, his name is Bob. So I've just for a couple like a couple months now, just yeah. whenever I anyone says his name, I go let's go to Bob Bob. But that's what yeah. you brought up. Yeah. Speaking yes. of obscure movie references, you brought that up, and we were all like, "Where is that from? What <laughs> yes. are you talking about?" And then you're like, "No, no, me and my brother." <laughs> We love that bit, yeah. and for some reason, whenever Bob's mentioned, we just Bob, go to Bob Bob. My whole life, I love it. His whole life. <laughs> so what? Was, so what was the other reference that you just brought up? It was the breakup. Big guy, little oh, guys, the breakup. Big hearts. Little guys, big hearts. Because so, he was trying to take. He was trying to know the credits yeah, not for yeah. me. And when I think of that, I think of no, it's not me. It's those little Vince guys. Vaughn. Those little digital guys with the big hearts. So Tony and Lewis are the little guys <laughs> with the big hearts. Sure, why not? All the people, kids. The city. Yeah. Bob's doing a great job. Alex Tyner. Yeah, How much has this work cool. week sucked? 
This has been a long <laughs> fucking week, man. This yeah. has been a long. You, you were here like all day on Sunday, right? I was here Sunday, Monday, yeah. Tuesday, and Wednesday, like until Thursday, like seven p.m. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's been a night. it's been a long. So week. basically, we're installing a bunch of new cameras. Yeah. We're putting in some new video equipment. Yep. The audience has already gotten a preview on some of the content that we've made this week. Has looked decidedly better yeah. to the acclaim of YouTube commenters, which is pretty damn hard to achieve. Mm. You know, but, I just uh, I don't read the comments on YouTube. Hmm. Don't read them. I don't read any comments. Really? Yeah, I try to I try to live my life by not reading comments on the internet. Sometimes you get through. You know how it is. Yeah, you get through, yeah, yeah, you yeah. mute the son of a bitch and whatever, you keep moving. Oh yeah, no, for me muting is is a key part of my life, but I also I agree. I also I've kind of taken on the Nick Saban rat poison mm. feeling in my life where I actually I don't like to read praise too much either. You know what I've I done? feel like it gets to my head. <laughs> Rat poison. You know what I've done a couple times recently with haters is I've like responded condescendingly, and that's never a win. Yeah. Uh, you look back on that like the next day, and oh, you're yeah. like, "What are you doing?" Yeah. Like you're an asshole. A lot of people don't get the context. Like I just come off. There's no way you're coming off great in that. But Chris, you did also revel in the praise you got this week for your fourth fast food item take. Uh, that dude. Yeah. I have never. I been, wasn't here because I was again were, swamped yes, and drowning yeah. in work. You came into the studio after that. It's like amateur the, hour to paint the picture guys. really quick for people that didn't listen. I gave a take that you never just get a value meal when you're in a drive-through. Right. You at least got to have something else. a little appetizer item, a little side item, a little mm -hmm. something extra. And the whole room basically made me feel like. I was a gross, disgusting human being. And yes. I was like, this is a thing. You guys are crazy. Tony busted in the room right after the segment. Well, I text you during the segment. Yeah, you're like, you're so right on this. I They're was like, crazy. what's wrong with these people? But I'm people? telling you, aside from getting laid off from ESPN, I have <laughs> never gotten the support from the internet on a topic. I'm telling you, hundreds of responses uh, to just like rant. I tweeted about it and I got responses in, in there. Your favor. But I'm telling you, I got over a hundred. The unsolicited I ones. I got over a hundred unsolicited Chris I'm with you. I stand with you. Everyone's crazy. I always get the extra item. And I was just like, I felt it. Yeah. And it was like right when we posted the podcast, it was like instantly Brrr, all the, the way the down most support by far that I've ever yeah. gotten just for a take. It was crazy. Especially because in here feeling. you're on an island. Yeah. Right. So yeah. you kind of walk out of it going, well, am, yeah. am I a fat ass? I'm a fat piece of shit is what I was thinking. Like, wow. Like I thought this was everybody. And even Dan was like, no, I've never done it. Mike, who's had many a drunk nights, like, no, I've never done That's it. That's a lie. That's what I was saying. It's Mike, all a, that's what I it's was all saying. a lie. Not having that. I mean, Witty, I, you gotta believe it. it. You're not fat, and I, I see I'm you fat. as a respectable <laughs> a guy that does. I actually believed you when you said it, but ever, but Mike and Dan, like, oh my god, two gods here. in particular. That's what yeah, I mean. Yeah, the, the gall, the, the strolls. That's what I'm like. The yeah. gall. You always get a McChicken to go. Oh, right. You get your food, oh. and then you get the McChicken on the way. Yeah. Eat it really quick. Throw the bag yeah. in the garbage before your wife. You like a little it. balance. If you're getting a chicken sandwich with your main, maybe a, a cheeseburger, cheeseburger app. Right? If you're doing a, a, a burger main, then you do a little Mc, McChick. It's just it's the play. Can I ask you guys some advice? Uh, I have a, a, a wedding anniversary this weekend. Ooh, nice. It's actually today. Your your oh well Friday. Happy, happy anniversary. Like, happy know, anniversary. I'm doing the podcast thing. Yeah. It's today. Um, and I, me and my wife, it's my own fault. All right, we do this thing like. <laughs> The first year is paper. The second year is this. This the is third, great. And this year's wood. Like every year has a theme. If you look up. Oh, yeah. You look up like anniversaries. There's, there's yeah, theme. like silver is the, the 25th anniversary or whatever. At the very beginning, I was like, we should do this. And we've done it. So the first. and I. So, so hold on a second. Hold on a second. Idea. You guys got married. Yep. Your one year anniversary comes up and you're like, I'm thinking what to get her. Or was this no, I think, at the beginning? You're like every year. Let's we're do the do anniversary. Thing, I think right? around a month away. I was like, hey, you know, there's that anniversary thing. Let's do that. That'll be fun. Like the first year was paper. And like, you know, I, she got me our wedding song 
put on a piece of like like, like sheet music she, like like the way we see these wavelengths like right, she got right. the yeah, wave yeah. whatever wavelengths wait yeah. no it wouldn't be no is it like like quarter notes and eighth notes or is it like it looks like what we i mean i know oh, the okay. audience can't it see like it but it's like it looks like waveforms right. okay yeah it's like our first you see in a voice memo. our first mm-hmm. dance song in waveforms Ooh. like she put it in a frame and Ooh, that's nice yeah it was a nice that, that's and, a good and, gift and i got her a ticket we we went to like uh, some cute little show and i printed out the tickets and they were paper See, okay. she won that. We're, we're doing this thing where we award win. Like she won year one. Oh, okay. And have I, you won any? Year? I've won. Uh, I've, I think I've won one year. And don't even ask me to remember oh, the other to, years and what they were. Down. Like, hold on, I, I don't remember any of the other items other than the first. Okay, year. so you got married in what year? Uh, it was. Uh, this is my fifth year this year. Fifth year. Wow, okay, so seventeen. Seventeen. Yeah. Okay, so seventeen. We're yeah. talking about. 18. All right. Second year is cotton. Cotton. Ooh, cotton. What did I do? See, I honestly, I think I got her some cotton like robe. Okay. Like mm-hmm. like some sort of Paper like third year is leather. Leather, yeah, Ooh, that's the one I want. Yeah. I got her this like I, I got it engraved with like our our anniversary date, and it was like a a, a vase with a rose in it, but it was all made of leather. Ooh. Yeah, Ooh. So, so okay. So hold on. I'm I'm doing the math here. 2019 was your third anniversary. She got me like leather keychain, so I felt like I won that one. That yeah. was like the only one I won. Well, that was that was before the world completely changed. So the the leather rose was in 2019. Yeah. What was last year? Well, no, what was, well, no, 2020, 2020 if, if it's January of 2020, would it would oh, be yeah, pandemic. Oh, yeah, right, you're right. Yeah. So what was last year? What's so last year, se- so you got you guys got married in 17? January of 17. Okay, so that means that one is 18. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Two so this is, is actually only oh, okay, the three. So, so this 20. would be the fourth time we've done it. It's our fifth year, of, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, if it's wood, it's your fifth year anniversary. So. Yeah. So you didn't do the fourth year? You didn't do the fruit flowers? Uh, we probably did. I literally can't remember what I did or okay, what she did. Okay, that's <laughs> So your, I think your question to us is, what would gift? Well, do I like give? I said, we're recording this would. on Thursday. Yeah. We're recording this on Thursday. Do you have anything? And it's tomorrow. So, <laughs> on, so, so on the way home, so I'm on the way home, we doing this on the way home. I've, yeah. I've told Anthony, like I've been spitballing some of my ideas. I'm thinking of putting in the, the like a, you know, I get her a card and I write in it, I'll give you the wood tonight. Oh Jesus! <laughs> I mean, like I'm getting desperate. I'm a day out here. Goodness I mean, me. <laughs> I mean, it's a good and one. I'm like, the other option was he wanted to go to the site that they got married yeah. at and get like a twig. Or a branch or a from tree. where they got married. Like, at. like, like, I don't know, man. I'm telling you, I'm a day away. What do you want from me? Most of the good what ideas the on the internet are things you send away for, like engraving yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm, str- I'm so if you weren't here. a procrastinator, you would have got it done. Right. So we're gonna post this at three o'clock in the morning on Friday. If between three o'clock in yeah. the morning on Friday and when Chris wakes up, you can tweet him some ideas. <laughs> we'll happily encourage him. Hopefully by then I have it. I'm a, I'm this next four hours when I go home. Like this is when I need to get yeah. it. Well, we'll have a, we'll have a brainstorming session after the podcast. <sighs> So yeah, that's that's where I'm at in my life. But I'm regret. It was all my idea. My wife like had no interest that's the in any great of this. Part like, about it. it was me in the your first year doing. marriage, just being like, let's be cute, let's do cute things. <laughs> I like it. And now I'm I like the guy it. No, a this day is good. No, I, this is horrible. No, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna steal this. Whenever I get married, I'm doing yeah. this too. I love it. It's I like it. It's, you're gonna tell us in year four. You're gonna yeah. look at me and, and Chris and yeah. be like, what the fuck, man? Tony's yeah. the guy. He makes me jealous because he's like, yeah, me and my wife, we don't do anything. We don't go to dinner. That's it. No presents. No, no presents. No, I don't like that. I don't like. What about Valentine's Day? Um, no. Really? Christmas, no gifts? Christmas gifts. Okay. Christmas, we go big. Christmas birthdays. Christmas and birthdays. Christmas and That's birthdays, it. we go big. Okay. That's it? Yeah. So it's just these other things like Valentine's Day. It's, like a, great, it's a great It's dinner. just dinner. Yeah. So I had my anniversary uh, January 11th. Yeah. So a couple days ago. Yeah. And my wife and I got her flowers. But we go out for a nice dinner every anniversary, every Valentine's Day, and that's the gift. Yeah, I mean, right? you're you're doing it right. Thank Welcome you. Welcome to Mystery Crate, by the way. <laughs> oh, <laughs> brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Yes. That's right. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code Dan to get in on the action. What do we got today? We have yet another edition 
of Darth Amin's Rule Ooh. of Two Ooh, on nice. the Book of Boba Fett. Mm. Streaming on Disney Plus. Him and Anthony Mays will take you through everything that happened in the latest episode. Let's check it out. Checking it. <laughs> Welcome back to another thrilling episode of Darth Amin's Rule of Two. My name's Amino Hassan. I'm joined as always by my apprentice. I'm going to call him my Padawan. You're beyond Padawan now, Anthony Mays. You're my apprentice. You're still here and I'm still here, so so far so good, huh? For Book of Boba, you're the daimyo and I'm the major domo. Major domo, there you go. Got a lot to get to today. We've got some new characters played by some recognizable faces and voices, I would say. And we also have a bunch of Easter eggs, although it took me a lot more digging this time than it did last week. So brace yourself. It's Book of Boba, Episode 3, The Streets of Moss Espa. And Maze, before we get started, let's just get into the cameos here. Yeah. Rife with cameos. Some familiar faces. We've got Steven Root. Oh, yes. As Lortha Peel, the watermonger. He's asking about a stapler, whether Boba has a stapler. He's or... also a stapler monger yeah. from Office Space. He just showed up in the latest season of Succession. He's amazing on Barry. He's just a legend. I love him. He is the character actor's character actor. The man in the high castle. He's in Dodgeball. I mean, when you talk about actors with range, Steven Root might be one of the most rangy actors we have. In terms of comedy, drama, television, movies, it doesn't matter. This guy finds a way and he kills it every single time. You think that he might be typecast as a Milton character mm-hmm. for the rest of his career, but you're exactly right. I mean, he's broken out. And I love that he's a go to heavy hitter guest star for prestige TV these days. He plays Sinister really well. In Get Out, he was the white man white? who tried to purchase. Daniel Kaluuya's character, right? To get his eyes. Mm. In True Blood, he was the homosexual vampire. Oh, yeah. In Dodgeball, he was more of the Milton character, right? The heavy set glasses and the reading the rule book. But then even in that movie, he, he refuses to remain in character because there's the moment where he hulks out and wins an entire match by himself. Spoiler alert. May's ruining Dodgeball. It's only been about 17 years. Not the finals, I mean. <laughs> Oh, that's why I forgot. The commissioner is a very good friend of mine. Also making her debut in this episode is Sophie Thatcher as Drash, leader of the Swoop Bike Gang, who I'm sure we'll talk about later. She's currently on Yellow Jacket, which is a show that I haven't watched yet, but I only hear really good things about. So she's having a little bit of a moment right now. Same, but I'd never heard of her. I saw her in the credits and I was like, who did she play? And I thought she might have played one of the hut twins i was like oh maybe and then i looked it up like oh no she's okay i didn't know i was supposed to know who that was i'm gonna be honest and i looked up how old she is no i shouldn't know who she is she's like 20 years old she's a child i don't know who she is new to the game but this is her time she's she's got two big shows on at the same time it's how this shit works and here she comes 
Sophie Thatcher. All right. Who's your third big cameo? None other than the inevitable Danny Trejo as the Rancor Keeper. It's a Robert Rodriguez vehicle. There's got to be Danny Trejo somewhere sniffing around. Did you know that he and Robert Rodriguez are second cousins? I mean... No, but I guess that makes a lot a lot of sense. I, you know, I was gonna about to compare him to Helena Bonham Carter and Tim Burton. But uh, again, that's a different family tie there. In this case, they're cousins. Makes sense. But... They also didn't know they were second cousins until really? they worked on 1995's Desperado when they discovered this. And since Desperado, they've worked together on eight other films, four Spy Kids, two Machetes, <laughs> four Spy Kids, From Dust Till Dawn, and Once Upon a Time in Mexico. And now, in Book of Boba Fett. I'm going to just say this right now. Danny Trejo fits what Tatooine looks like. Fits a rancor trainer right the look sophie thatcher and her band of merry little kids we'll get to later oh man not so much not so much <laughs> there was one more cameo maze i'm surprised you missed this one mm, hit me the pike captain oh played by phil lamar you might know and love from mad tv he was the voice of hermes on futurama he's he's a very accomplished voice actor but in star wars the voice of kit fisto in the clone wars the jedi Master Kit Fisto. Nice. And also in Star Wars Rebels, he was the voice of Bail Organa. Phil Lamar, welcome back. Repeat offender. Repeat offender. That's a term we use on Cinephobe, which is the podcast where Zach and I watch movies that are poorly rated on Rotten Tomatoes and try to ascertain whether they're accurately poorly rated or maybe they get a fair shake. Cinephobe is produced by that guy over there, Anthony Mays, and you get it wherever you get podcasts. And Repeat offender is what we call people who have been on multiple movies that we've reviewed on Cinephobe. They keep on coming back. I wish I knew how to quit you, which is not from <laughs> Troll 2, as I discovered. We talked about Phil Lamar playing the Pike Captain. Well, let's start with the flashback this time, Maze, since we've got only a little bit of flashback, thanks to Black Chrysanthemum. <laughs> it was like enough of this it was interrupted this week <laughs> we'll just talk exclusively about the flashback and then we'll go and do all the present day stuff so dances with tuscans boba of arabia take us back i mean boba's in his back to dreams he sees his dad flying away he's riding across the desert with his banta to most Eisley. And Maze, I have a note here that's straight out of Cinephobe. We built this desert. We built this desert on CG. I built this desert. We built this desert on CG. This episode was as poor of a job as they've done with the CGI in all Star Wars post the prequel trilogy. Rogue One, the new trilogy, The Mandalorian. This was really bad, and it gets worse later on. He rides into Mos Eisley. We see the Stormtrooper helmets on spikes that we saw in Mandalorian Season 1, Episode 5, when he shows up to Mos Eisley. Mm -hmm. We now know where that came from. Did you see what was in the background of the Stormtrooper helmets? Oh, our good friend Pelimoto. And her pit droid entourage, Amy Sedaris. Taking a little stroll down the streets of Mos Eisley. Yeah. He asks a... Jawa, where do the Pikes do their business? The Jawa, Maze, holding himself a little Camtono there. <laughs> yeah. Camtonos, as we know now, are like a container device. It's like Tupperware in Star Wars. 
Only big Tupperware. So the Cam Tono, from my research, appears to have been retconned from just a weird thing that somebody was holding in the background that people made fun of in Empire Strikes Back. Oh, really? <laughs> and now they've explained that it's a Cam Tono. Oh, okay. All right. How about that? There's just a guy who's fleeing Cloud City, and he's running around holding the Cam Tono looking confused. <laughs> Nice. And people for years were wondering, what is he holding? Now we know. Camtonos were also used in The Mandalorian Season 1, Episode 1. The Beskar that is offered as payment mm-hmm. to Mando for finding the child is in a Camtono. It's a Camtono of Beskar bricks. So, as I said, Phil Lamar playing the Pike Captain. Boba asks, what's up with the payments? And the Pike Captain says, they're already Paying for protection. Call back to HQ over at Obadiah, which is the home world of the Pikes. And they said they're unwilling to pay protection to multiple parties. They've been paying the Nikto Biker Gang that now has a name, Maze. Did you catch the name? Kenton Striders. Kenton Striders. And you're saying, did they just make up some Star Wars-y name? No. This gang is how you know they're douchebags, ladies and gentlemen. They named themselves after a piece on a Dredgerick board. That's the board that where you see C-3PO and Chewbacca playing on the Millennium Falcon, that weird chess game with the holographs. Mm-hmm. So that's where the Nikto Biker Gang got its name so from. So they're gamers. They are gamers, little, little pricks. <laughs> <laughs> the Pike Captain, kind of in no uncertain terms, says, ah, you take care of them because we don't want to be taken advantage of. It gives a very big Agatha Harkness wink and a smile. Ah, 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 get what I'm saying? Boba says, cool. Gets back on his banta, rides back across the desert. More terrible CGI. See smoke on the horizon. We find out that the village has been pillaged. Mm. Dead bantas everywhere. And they're dead Tuscans, including the chieftain. And Maze, I said, this is a callback to Luke returning home and finding Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru burnt to a crisp and their house destroyed. Definitely. It's also a callback to Anakin just decimating a Tuscan camp. A man looks on the tent, sees the symbol of the Kenton Striders and says, I know what this is about. Revenge is about to happen. And then the last thing we see Boba do is do the funeral pyre honoring the dead Tuscans. And of course, as we said before, this really humanized them. They did a great job humanizing them. One person who was not there. Do you see one corpse that was missing? We didn't see the warrior. The warrior, our female Tuscan. So I'm hoping that she's still alive. She comes back into play. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully they get some revenge at some point. Mm. That's where the end of the flashback happens. So we're going to go all the way back to the beginning of the episode and now do all the present day stuff. Clear and present danger. The playoffs have started in basketball and hockey, and there's really only one way that I can enjoy it. For me, drinking Miller Lite while the action is going on makes the game that much more exciting and that much more delicious. A lot has changed over the years, but one thing that hasn't, the great taste of Miller Lite. Another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less filling. So what is the best thing about the original light beer? Miller Lite sparked this debate in 1975, and we still haven't settled it. So what do you look for in a light beer? Great taste or less filling? For me, it's great taste and less filling. Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality, great taste, and only 96 calories. It's the beer that strips away everything you don't need and holds on to what matters most. A light beer that tastes like beer. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and is less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right at your door, visit MillerLite.com slash crate, C-R-A-T-E. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. 
Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer calories and carbs than premium regular beer. We're outside of Jabba's Palace. We see a weird spider thing walking around. That's a Bomar monk. That's right. It's not a spider at all. It's a droid. It's a droid that's holding a glass case that has a brain in it. That's the brain of one of the Bomar monks. We saw these in the first time in Return of the Jedi in the background when R2-D2 and C-3PO walk into Jabba's Palace. You see one of these things scurrying around. Jabba's Palace used to be a Bomar monastery until Jabba took over it for himself. Yes, and the Bomar monks basically reached a level of enlightenment where they were like, we don't need bodies anymore. We're just brains. But they, of course, need to get around, so they implanted themselves into these spider droids to get around. Very much like Futurama when they have all the heads and jars. Exactly like that. That's exactly what I thought of. Second Futurama reference in this episode. 88, giving us some old exposition about what's the deal in Moss Espa. Hologram, PowerPoint presentation, and I couldn't help but think, isn't this probably what you should have done the first day? Day one. Why'd you wait till today, 88? He was too busy torturing people. Remember, this is a <laughs> career change for him, man. Give him a break. He doesn't want to use Jabba's name because he doesn't want to insult Boba, but Boba's like, that's ridiculous. Why would it insult me? Ends up getting insulted anyway. 88 references the sail barge disaster that took Jabba's life. Bib Fortuna wasn't strong enough to control. So what he ended up doing was basically subcontracting control of the different sectors to different syndicates and then collecting the tribute off of them. The Trandoshans took over the city center. That's why in the last episode, when Boba and Fennec Shand are walking to the mayors, there are so many Trandoshans everywhere. The Aqualish, those are the ones with little ass cheeks where their chin should be. They took the workers' district. The two people that came to pay tribute to Boba were the Aqualish and the Trandoshans. So we knew about them. But there is a third family in Mos Espa. The Clatoonians. They took over the starport and the upper sprawl. If you've seen Mos Espa, it's like a weird canyon thing, almost like a pit in the ground. Yeah, it's a reverse plateau. Everything around it, that's the upper sprawl. Bib Fortuna didn't have powers. So he relied on alliances and paid the mayor. That's why the mayor asked for his tribute when the Major Domo showed up, because that's the deal that Bib Fortuna was doing. We get an announcement that there's a guest. He doesn't have an appointment, but Boba says, to hell with it. Come on in. And it's Steven Root playing Lorth Appeal, a watermonger. It tells him that nobody respects you, Boba, and I'm insulted on your behalf. The streets have turned to chaos. I'm insulted. The disrespect these urchins are showing you, Boba. It's my favorite kind of Star Wars thing. When someone wants to complain about their problems, they do it in the form of ass-kissery to a greater power. This gang of street urchins is robbing him of his water. They're half man, half machine. Modify their bodies with droid parts. Call back to Obi-Wan's, he's more machine now than man, twisted and evil. Basically, they go into a little exposition where Boba is talking about, well, water, huh? I grew up on a planet that was mostly water. Call back to Kamino. And then Steven Root starts to try to describe that, oh yeah, Tatooine is also Melcy water. Boba's like, I don't want to hear that shit. Get to what you want. He's Get like, on with it. And if you do, if you take care of them, I will pay you double tribute. Side quest, I mean. On to the workers district. We see a bunch of aquas hanging in the background. We show up. We see these punks. Oh, my God. These young punks. And let me just say right now, ladies and gentlemen, 
I know some of these Star Wars podcasts and recaps are just Star Wars super fans and love every decision. This is not that kind of podcast. I am not afraid to call them out when they miss the mark. And this one completely missed the mark. Not knowing who any of these people were, just seeing them as they turned around, instantly out of place. Because everybody on Tatooine looks dirty as hell. Everyone looks filthy on Tatooine. You're in the sun. There's sand everywhere. Think about even Anakin. Anakin looked dirty. Luke looked dirty. Aunt Peru, Uncle Owen, they're all dirty looking people. And then all of a sudden you have these cool, futuristic people. Shout out to my guy, Star Wars Theory. He he pointed this out. I was like, if you told me this was on Coruscant, I'd buy it. Sure. When they're chasing after the bounty hunter on Coruscant. Yeah, and they go into that bar. If we saw them there, they'd fit in. But on Tatooine? No, man. No, completely missed the mark, especially with their Vespas. Their colorful Vespa speeder. Same no two, bro. Yeah. That was what really did it for me. Oh, okay. These unemployed, good for nothing, half droid kids have shiny new speeders. Yeah, and they say, look old man. And I was like, these goddamn millennials. I was so sick and tired of them. Boomer fat. You're in the workers district. Why don't you why don't you work? And she said, there's no work. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> this is just <laughs> more millennial stuff. Your revolution is over, Mr. Lebowski. Condolences. The bums lost. My advice to you is do what your parents did. Get a job, sir. The bums will always lose. Do you hear me, Lebowski? The bums will always lose. It was a little bit heavy-handed, for sure. Heavy-handed. It reminded me of Canto Bite. Every time when Star Wars tries to go a little too far, the best parables and lessons are delivered subtly. It's odd that later on in this episode, Boba would accuse Fennec Shand of being too heavy-handed. I was like, you think? Mm. (laughs) About the existence of these characters. So Scad is the one that has a droid eye. He says they charge a month's wages for a week worth of water. Why don't you go after him, after the watermonger? Price gouging. Boba says, okay, you can work for me. Watermonger comes out. He's upset. Lord the Peel is upset. He says they owe 1,300 credits. Do something about it. Boba gives him 500 and says, consider it resolved. If you don't like it, move to Mos Eisley and then cut your prices. We can see by the look in Stephen Root's eyes that this matter is far from resolved. But luckily, Boba has hired a new crew of Vespa kids. We fast forward, Black Crescenton disturbs Boba's back to sleep and proceeds to f- him up. Oh, boy. Bones cracking. In his underwear, too. Yeah, he hits him. He's got brass knuckles that are electrified. Apparently, these are implants, Maze. These are not something he takes on and off. He has his own set of upgrades as well. It's not just for the kids. Mm. The little punks come out. Drash stabs Black Crescenton. Black Crescenton barely reacts. I thought that was pretty cool. Just makes him angrier. Don't do that. He bashes everyone. Tackles the Gamorreans down the stairs. Bites the hell out of a, a Gamorrean, by the way. He bit Boba's hand. Droid eye dude. Shout out to Cobra. He's a lousy shot. Got a little baby pink laser gun too he's hitting him in what is clearly beskar armor <laughs> like he's got a shoulder a shoulder piece and he's just hitting him at the shoulder i'm like you want to try hitting him some other part of his body by the way maze a lot of people complain black chrysanthemum didn't have a scar in the last episode like he does in the comics and guess what there is a scar it's just very subtle it's a pink line 
because you know he's got some white hairs in there. It almost looks like it's some of the white hairs, but if you look at it, it's a pink line. Half of it is above his eye, half of it is below his eye. So he does have his scar. Oh, yeah. No, I see this thing in the picture. Yeah, it's there. More fighting, and they set him up to be right above the Rancor trap door. Fennec hits the button. He drops into the pit, but he's holding on with one hand. They're about to shoot him. Fennec says no. Takes the hidden dagger out of her rifle butt, which we saw in Mandalorian Season 1, where she threw the knife at, what's my man's name? Talico or Calico Tan? or Bobby Cannavale's son. Yes, Bobby Cannavale Jr. Yep, That's all I know. Hits him right on the hand. He lets go, falls down into Rancor Pit, starts whining and moaning, and here we are. So we go on. We're feasting now. We're in Jabba's dining room that we never got to saw before. There is a very luxurious feast, including Roast Nuna. Oh. We've seen this a lot in Clone Wars. This is like a roast turkey in Star Wars. Fennec Shan tells Boba, you're the head of a family. You should enjoy the trappings. Boba's... Kind of upset that there was an assassination attempt on him while he was butt-ass naked in the back to tank. Says he has to send the message. Fennec Shan, for once, is the one saying, eh, give it some time. Let them make the next move. You captured their bounty hunter. Boba's really reading the comments, you know? Yes. Yeah, he is. The watermonger comes in, tells him everybody's leaving thumbs down. Must Esperedit is where he's on right now. Really wants to reverse that reputation. Yeah, he's seeing that everybody's complaining that not enough shipping container and <laughs> they don't want to hear the Star Wars stuff <laughs> for Boba. Well, he says he has to send a message, and waiting only gives them an opportunity to strike again. And just then, 88 comes in and says, guess who's here? It's the twins. Speak of the hut. And they have a gift. Go outside. Twins are out there. They apologize for trying to kill him like five minutes ago. So silly. Also, Chrysanthemum. You got Boba passed out in a back to tank. We saw your enormous gun, but you decide to wake him up and choke him and start a fight instead of just shooting him. So there's some conversation out there that because Black Crescenton and Boba know each other very well, have been on bounty missions together. Uh, Respect. Not going to shoot him in the back. There's a little bit of like, I wouldn't kill him in his sleep. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. He wants to beat him. Wookiee to clone. In the same way that Boba doesn't kill him. Obviously, the twins say they don't want Black Chrysanthemum back. You can sell him. You can kill him. You can do whatever you want with him. And Boba's like, I ain't going to do that. The twins say, we're leaving Tatooine. We were both lied to. This territory has already been promised to another syndicate. Promised by who? The spineless mare, Makshes. They're saying we're not leaving because you're telling us to leave. We're living on our own accord. Now, Maze, later in the episode, we see the Pikes are coming, and I think this is a misdirect. You want to do this now? I think we should do this now, because they never say who. First thought, as soon as they said territory has been promised to another syndicate, mm-hmm. ding, 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 it's Darth Maul, Crimson Dawn, because you'll remember, pretty sure I mentioned this. But I'm going to repeat it now that the score for this show weaves in John Powell's music from Solo, A Star Wars Story, specifically the theme associated with Crimson Dawn. Should point out, Darth Maul, of course, is not alive. He's been killed by Obi-Wan on Tatooine, of all places. Coincidence of all coincidences. So he's not alive, but Crimson Dawn apparently is still around. And that also leads us to the speculation that perhaps Kira who was played by Amelia Clark in Solo, A Star Wars Story. Maybe she's leading Crimson Dawn now. 
We'll find out. Maybe when I see a Han Solo around. I don't think so. I hope not. Process of elimination. We talked about the five syndicates. The Hut clan is taken off. The Pikes are already in play. We don't know too much about Black Sun or the Cremoras, at least in the grand scheme of things. So that does indicate that it is probably Crimson Dawn. And my guess, I mean, is that they tease it at the very end of this season and set up season two for this show. Oh, wow. So we're just going to be stalling for four more episodes? 100%. We're going to take out the Pikes and then we're going to figure out it wasn't the Pikes. Just like it wasn't the Hut. It's like, oh, whodunit is what we're doing here. The Hut's showing up. Talking trash. And then leaving. And then taking off was weak, dude. It's weak. Super weak. I wanted to see the huts throw their weight around. No pun intended. They're returning to now, Hutta. They are leaving and they suggest to Boba you should do the same. You don't need the Wookiee. Tatooine is a worthless rock and war is bad for business. Boba, in turn, says, release Black Chrysanthemum. No hard feelings. And Chrysanthemum raises an eyebrow, which is pretty hard to do when you're a Wookiee. He managed to do it anyway. This was also very frustrating. I thought for sure he was going to join the crew. And he ran off awkwardly like Napoleon Dynamite. Yep. Just ran off into the desert. It's got to be tough for a Wookiee in Tatooine's climate. I can't imagine that it's very helpful to run around with shag carpeting all over your body, essentially. I think he is going to come back and be part of the crew. I hope so, but it's... Just do it now. You got him. Yeah. It should have been like the Gamorreans, right? Yeah. All right. It's cool if I just hang out. We work together. No hard feelings, et cetera, et cetera. But no, they wanted to have him run off like Napoleon Dynamite. Didn't mention what the great gift was from the twins. It's a rancor. It's a rancor calf. It's not fully grown, but it's bigger than the baby that we saw in Bad Batch. No word as to whether it is the same rancor for Bad Batch, but... I did receive confirmation, Maze. The one that they got in the Bad Batch is not the one that Luke Skywalker killed. All right. So that one's still in place somewhere. Danny Trejo, as we said earlier, is the Rancor Whisperer. I love how he just drives it up on a pallet. Yep. Like a forklift. (laughs) Here you go. Delivery for Boba Fett. Can you sign here? They drop it into the Rancor pit. And Boba wants to know, why is it just laying there? Then Trio says, it's depressed. Rancor are emotionally complex creatures. Yeah, it's a thoroughbred. The offshoot of fighting Rancors, like champion fighting Rancors. It imprints on the first human it sees. That's why it has those blinders on. Then Trio proceeds to exposition about how the Night Sisters of Dathomir used to ride them. Night Sisters are those witches. That we talked about last episode, the yeah. lead night sister, Mother Talzin, is the actual real life mother of Darth Maul. Speaking of Amelia Clark here, mm-hmm. they form strong bonds with their owners. You can ride them. It's dragons. We're talking dragons here. Talking dragons. Also a little bit talking pit bulls. Because he's like, oh, I thought all they did was fight. And he's like, well, because they're really great at fighting. That's what people think about. But they're actually like really like emotional and loving and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, you're talking about pit bulls. Okay, I get it. Like, I guess the dog people is like, oh, pit bulls are so nice. I'm like, okay, yeah, right. You fall in a rancor pit. Except the rancor has more of a bulldog face, just kind of smashed. Boba, upon learning that the Night Sisters used to ride them. I want to learn to ride it. Yeah. <laughs> he really turns into outdoorsman Boba all of a sudden. I've never seen him that excited before. So Danny Trio tells him, like, oh, you know, it's kind of hard. He's like, oh, I've ridden things 10 times its size. Yeah. He's referring to the Mythosaur, ladies and gentlemen. The Mythosaur 
which was in the holiday special, the cartoon that came out in 1978 that introduced us to the character of Boba Fett. It was considered not canon. It's just so shoddily made and it's terrible and it was an absolute cash grab. But it gave us Boba Fett because he was so popular. The reaction was so strong. They were like, okay, we got to write this character into actual Star Wars. But unfortunately, this huge, ugly dinosaur thing with a big, doofy smile on his face was kind of left alone until now. Kind of, sort of. He's referencing the Mythosaur. So everyone was excited about that. Now, Maze, I learned something, though, in my research. Boba, when he turns around on his shoulder plate, he's got that skull and bones imprint on there. It's the same one that in The Mandalorian, the guild or whatever that Din Djarin is part of, they've got that weird skull and bones thing with the tusks hanging above where the armorer works, right? That's a mythosaur skull. Oh, wow. There you go. I did not know that. That's a mythosaur skull. That's a real deep Easter egg for you right there. Mythosaurs are native to Mandalore, so that's why. And obviously, Boba spent some time on Mandalore, even though he's not Mandalorian technically. What I discovered in my research, I mean, is that Star Wars Holiday Special is cinephobe eligible. Oh, man. Are we opening that door? (laughs) Just saying. Danny Trio takes the blinders off. And it blurrily sees Boba. Mama! All of this exposition about Rancors is a retcon for Return of the Jedi to explain to us why the Rancor trainer was so sad when his Rancor died, when Luke Skywalker killed him and everyone had to console him as he's weeping. I mean, I don't even think that's necessarily retconning. It makes sense that the Rancor trainer would be sad that his creature died. But I did love this adding emotional depth to a Rancor and having a new Rancor, I thought it was all great. I really like this. Plus, having Danny Trejo be the guy is another great touch. He's got a very Star Wars vibe about him. He fits, unlike some people. 88 comes back, says the mayor said 20 days for an appointment. Boba says, feed it a Ronto carcass. Mm. A Ronto, ladies and gentlemen, is a pack animal. We saw this in A New Hope, the special edition. Luke and Obi-Wan are on the speeder to drive it into Mos Eisley to look for a pilot, which they end up finding in Han Solo. As they drive into Mos Eisley, one of the added scenes from the special edition that came out in 1997 is you see this huge pack animal walking around. That is a Ronto. So that's a lot of meat there for that Rancor calf, which is funny because before he said that, I was just thinking to myself, what do they feed it? Just have to have assholes come by every day and have them <laughs> drop down the pit? Or I'm sure that's just a delicacy for the Rancor. They probably eat plenty of Nunas and Bantas and Rontos. 88, as I said, 20 days for the appointment. Boba says, fuck that noise. We're going there right now. Tells Fennec Shan to suit up. And I thought that was so cool. The Major Domo tries to block them from coming in. but then. Changes his mind when Fennec Shan threatens him bluntly. Boba then says, that was a bit heavy-handed. And I said, kind of like the Power Rangers. Yeah. Everyone's calling them Power Rangers, by the way. That's, that's the other funny thing about the internet. Makes sense. Yeah. All of the colors line up. Fennec responds, did you want the appointment? <laughs> so we get in. We find out that there's nobody in there. Fennec Shan drops the Mandalorian cuss word that we all love. Thank Ferric. Oba also told the Power Rangers, you better fight as good as you talk dank. Oh, nice. Which I liked. A little twist on it. We find out the Major Domo is in a speeder, and I use the term speeder 
very loosely. This reminded me of the motorcycle chase and ballistic yes where they're going about 15 miles an hour this was the slowest dumbest chase the kids on their vespas the major domo on his slower not his speeder driving terribly driving like brad wesley for a roadhouse it is just an excuse to have a bunch of droids i mean we got all the droids we got pit droids we got mouse droids we've got a protocol droid moving slowly across the street as everything quote-unquote speeds past him, which reminded me, Maze, of A New Hope, the very beginning, when R2 and C-3PO are crossing through the hallway and there's crossfire coming, and they're like, ah, and he just kind of never gets hit somehow, but he walks in his little kind of choppy way as R2 strolls through. Same thing happening here, bro. We are getting some really, really, really slow movement. They're going through the street. At one point, there's a painting coming across, and they crash right through it. That painting is Ralph McQuarrie original concept art for Jabba, Boba, Bit Fortuna, the Protocol Droid, the Twi'lek, and the actual painting has Luke Skywalker in it, but obviously they digitally removed it. Why would Jabba have a painting of Luke Skywalker <laughs> like right before he kills him? That's a good point. There's also an orange R2 unit and then an RIC model that carried around Anakin and Padme and Attack of the Clones and a little rickshaw thing. This time it's carrying two Bith. And I wonder, I mean, it's probably a stretch. Do you think they're from Fig and Don and the modal nodes, the original Cantina band? Maybe. Perhaps. I thought about the same thing too, bro. Also, I thought about how this green screen is awful this entire chase i mean everything about it them on the vespas jumping over things you could see it's so shoddily done everything is slow and worst of all major domo has major ass on during this scene ass on is another term from cinephobe it is the opposite the antithesis of when you're acting your ass off someone acting their ass off like oh carl weathers means they're doing an amazing job of acting the opposite of that is ass on and that is what the major domo is doing we do get to see some of the Power Rangers droid enhancements, which I'd forgotten they had, except for obviously the dude's eye. But one guy has little, I don't even know, blowtorch on his wrist, something stupid. Yeah, who cares? This really, really lost me until the end where he crashes into and has like a bunch of Maylurin fall over him. Now, that's what those little fruits are called. They're called Maylurin. We saw them. In Star Wars Rebels, in an episode where Ezra and Zeb Aurelios, the big Lasat dude, they were supposed to go get some and they ended up messing up the mission and losing them or whatever. Also, the fruits falling onto the speeder was very reminiscent of Back to the Future when Biff crashes into the manure truck and has manure all over him. And he reveals that the mayor is with the pikes. Next thing we know, we've got a Starliner that's landing. At the spaceport, there are a shit ton of pikes walking, looking badass. And we see that Scad, the Power Ranger with the droid eye, sees them in his rearview mirror. This is when I noticed that Scad has a robot eye like the cameraman in Future Sport. Future Sport, Cinephobe episode 98. He then goes to make a phone call from a Star Wars payphone, which we saw in Bad Batch. Later on. On the drive home, I called Boba Fett from a payphone. I said, the pikes are here. I wish I knew what song you were singing. 
Blink-182. It's the first wave. They're going to war. Then we will be ready. We'll be ready. Tells Scat to keep an eye on them and says, no pun intended. It's just an expression. Ha ha ha. Little Boba Fett humor. And we are done with the episode directed by Robert Rodriguez. So two out of the first three episodes, Maze. Any last impressions or things you want to point out about this episode? Weakest episode yet. Yes. It was disappointing. Very disappointing. It was slow, and I'm I'm okay with slow exposition episodes. I'm not okay with this, the Swoop Gang or whatever they're called. I won't call them a gang. Children, for Christ's sake. They're a terrible addition. I don't see what they're really going to bring other than more thrilling chases like that. I mean, if you're not going to do it well, just don't do it. That's my theory all the time. All the excitement of the Huts and Black Santon showing up, pretty much gone. Took the wind out of those sills. They just went to Dances with Tuscans this week. To have him take a long journey, talk for five seconds, come back, everybody's dead. That does not need to be part of this episode. I'm sorry. So now that we've got three episodes, could we not have done episode one and episode two be entirely in present day? Episode three be the flashback. I honestly think it's probably the other way around. I would say first episode, present day, two and three, flashback. Hmm. I think we'd get to the same point and it'd be more more cohesive. It just doesn't feel cohesive right now. I guess we got pikes in both timelines. That's the only thing that's connecting the two. Well, now we know, or we think we know, unless they're going to do the next switcheroo, right? He's just going to go after the Nikto speeder bike gang in the past and he's going to get his revenge and he's going to team up with the warrior probably. And then in the present, he's going to deal with these pikes. And then hopefully there's a reveal that there's something more going on. Right. No Crimson Dawn. I've got one more little piece of Star Wars related stuff. This came out in the last day or so. That Tamara Morrison, the star of Book of Boba Fett, he plays Boba Fett. He played Jango Fett in the movies and all the clones in the movies. He says he wants to portray Captain Rex and Commander Cody. Whenever they go to live action. Of course he does. Keep getting them checks. Getting them checks, but also be pretty cool to keep the continuity going. Here's a quote, by the way. He says, there are people, I'm thinking of Captain Rex for one. He looks a little like me. (laughs) There's Commander Cody. What happened to those guys? There's all those clone armies. It could be something fresh and new and exciting. (laughs) Oh my God. Thirsty. You're so thirsty. It's absolutely a cash cow to get cast as a character that gets cloned, though. I love clones. I do love clones. That's from Cinephobe episode 43, The Adventures of Pluto Nash. I was looking at Tamira Morrison's filmography because I was like, well, what did you do after, after Star Wars? And it turns out, man, like he's had a pretty good career. He was in Green Lantern. He's legit. In Scorpion King 3. I like him in the show. He's in Moana. But it is funny that He's throwing it out there. Yeah, I should play more characters. You're right. In Aquaman? He did play Commander Cody in Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith. Just saying. He did. Looked just like him, too. Just saying. I want more Star Wars animated series, obviously, because it allows you to do all sorts of things that live action doesn't. But I also want them to cast the voice actors now with an eye for if this thing goes live action, we can do the same thing that we did for Bo-Katan. Yeah, she's the best example of this. Katie Sackhoff, yeah. by far. Mandalorian season two, Bo-Katan is played by Katie Sackhoff, who voiced the character of Bo-Katan in The Clone Wars. But not only that, they drew the character to look like her. 
it's not a coincidence that Katie Sackhoff looks like Bo-Katan. She didn't have to undergo a whole lot of like makeup or whatever. The character drawing looks exactly like her. I know somebody out there who's hoping that they do the same. <laughs> Your boy, Freddie Prince Jr. Oh, no, he's dead, though. I know, but find a way to get him live action. Live action, Kanan Jarrus? Prequel. <laughs> Caleb Dune was a child. Exactly. Which is funny because even though he's a child in the, the first episode of Bad Batch, still has Freddie's grown-ass voice. Yeah. Like, no. Like, deep-ass <laughs> voice. Get out of here. <laughs> what kind of Padawan is this? This is the one Padawan with pubes. <laughs> <laughs> On that note... <laughs> going to do it for us here at the Means Rule of Two. Thank you to my apprentice, Anthony Mays. Thank you for all the feedback, the positive feedback, the notes that you guys are sending. Please keep doing that. If we missed an Easter egg, let us know. If we messed something up, let us know. And also keep giving us suggestions for guests. Got a suggestion for Donald Faison. Donald Faison apparently is a huge Star Wars guy. A friend. Is he? Isn't he? Welcome to Cinephobe. Wait, no. I want you to like Subscribe, rate, review that one too. Cinephobe, wherever you get podcasts. Mace, protection arrangements. All a part of doing business in the outer rim. For another edition of, I'm just trying to do the witty thing. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta take a breath though. It's like, yeah, boom. That'll do it go. for another edition yeah, of Mystery Crate. I, I Make sure that. to check out all of our other uh, entities we got going properties, on. And properties, yeah. What, yeah. Whatever, tell them, Woody. <laughs> no, keep going. <laughs> That's all I have. I peed it out. I was like, <laughs> Woody, would entities be the right word there, or would it be something else? Projects, properties, properties. Yeah. Can I podcast? Let me just do a little begging. Okay. Can you just go? Everyone listening to me right now. Go to Cinephile. Mm-hmm. unsubscribe and resubscribe because I feel like you know when we first did this a few, six or five or six months ago you mm-hmm. might have done it but you know with algorithms and things like that you might have missed a couple yeah. episodes let's just re-up on double down stuff. your efforts on downloading Cinefile. it helps yeah. so much like I'm smiling when you do it just know when you yeah. do it I'm somewhere going that's a good person right there mm. that's uh that's my my drive home listening today I know I, Ooh, I, nice. I, I got some Cinefile oh, ready so to nice. go in the Witty, queue Witty always compliments it and I, I wish everyone was like Witty <laughs> A world full of witties. Oh, that would be great. Thanks for listening to this episode of Mystery Crate. <laughs> be sure to check out the other properties on Levitard and Friends Network, yeah. including Stupidity, which yes. this week has a breakdown of football with Mike Golick Sr. rascals. We have South Beach Sessions, yes. which this week features an interview that I have edited, and I'm now trying to remember what it was. Oh, yeah, it was Mackenzie Milton. I will say, he had very strong comments on Kirk Herbstreet's thing about college football because he lived it from a personal point of view. He nearly ended his NFL career in a bowl game. So let me just put it this way. He wasn't having it. It's impressive to be cool with the first name McKenzie. That's a great shout.
Like, you're saying, hold on, it's impressive to be cool because you're saying if your thinking, first name is Mackenzie, you're not. Cool. I'm hoping now that his he isn't named after some family member. And you have I'm, a mountain and, to climb. And I'm a big jerk, McKenzie. but I'm just yeah. saying, like he was, you know, like kind of. What other Mackenzies are there that are cool? I think this is exactly Chris's point. Yeah, that's what I mean. Just doesn't give off cool the name. The first episode of Montgomery and Co. Yes. is out this week with our friend Renee Montgomery, even though she has roasted me on many occasions over mm. the course of our time here in the Levitard and Friends Network. Check that out. Roy Bellamy is proud of his work producing that podcast. What else do we got in the Levitard and Friends Network? Mystery Crate. Oh, we have Off the Looking Glass as oh, well. Yeah. Jessica would be mad at me if I didn't bring yeah. this up. Off the Looking Glass, making na nationwide headlines in the world of college basketball and also teaching you about a sport called pedestrianism. And uh, also the podcast with Joe Posnanski and Mike Shore. That's, That's another fun right. one. Off the looking glass, getting good guests. Who's guest booking for them? Cinephile mm, needs them to interesting. Help out a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think I, some of them might be Kate's personal. Yeah, I was going to say. I know. That's what I mean. Like, Adnan, step your game up. Nancy bro. Lieberman Klein on this episode. It's Gabby, you of the podcast. Mm. All right, and I think I, I just went through our feed. That's everything we have in the Levitard and Friends. We shield enough. I think so. Mm -hmm. Maybe a little God bless football Levitard mm -hmm. show feed. Mm-hmm. Subscribe to the uh, the Levitard and Friends YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. Tony and Lewis put in a shed load of work on That's that. That's right. I think I'm just going to have to give my wife the wood. That's all I have. <laughs>playoffs have started in basketball and hockey and there's really only one way that I can enjoy it. For me, drinking Miller Lite while the action is going on makes the game that much more exciting and that much more delicious. A lot has changed over the years, but one thing that hasn't, the great taste of Miller Lite. Another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less filling. So what is the best thing about the original light beer? Miller Lite sparked this debate in 1975 and we still haven't settled it. So what do you look for in a light beer? Great taste or less filling? For me, it's great taste and less filling. Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality, great taste, and only 96 calories. It's the beer that strips away everything you don't need and holds on to what matters most. A light beer that tastes like beer. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and is less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right at your door, visit MillerLite.com crate, C-R-A-T-E. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer calories and carbs than premium regular beer.